the last day at the factory. So a few days before the last day, while I was on lunch break, somebody else was operating the machine that I was using. And something happened where a bunch of bad product was made. And it ended up being my fault since I was in charge of the machine. I came back on Monday, worked for like half the day, got called into the office. The Monday was National Cheesecake Day. And uh, whenever I got called into the office, they told me that they were letting me go. Normally, that would bother me. Didn't really bother me at all. Uh, I was kind of annoyed that it was National Cheesecake Day and I could not participate in it. Came home early and my wife was home that day. Normally, if I was getting fired, she would have been upset, obviously. She wasn't really upset. We both just kind of agreed that the next day I needed to make some cheesecake and go sell it door to door and make up for the amount of money that I wasn't going to make that week. So that's what I did. And then I I made considerably more than I would have that week at the factory job. We just decided that I was going to do the door to door thing. Do you ever think about what might have happened if you hadn't been let go? Yeah. I would have been at a job that I didn't like, but I would have done it and then just been miserable. How long do you think you would have done it? Probably until I retired. Welcome to the Great and Famous Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Thompson, and together we share your stories of the everyday people that changed your life. We reconnect you with your greatest influence, recognize their generosity and lessons, and inspire others to do the same. It's practical wisdom from people you never heard of, a.k.a. The Great Unfamous. Welcome to The Great Unfamous. I'm your host, Jim Thompson. Thank you for dropping by this episode. If you've visited before, you know that we have a thing here for underdogs, the unsung hero, the everyday people who grind in a special way that lifts others up. Well, if you like underdogs and cheesecake, you're in for a treat. Because if I had to describe my next guest in terms of a movie... It would be a cross between Rudy and Will Smith's Pursuit of Happiness. Now, we'll cut the strings on that bakery box in a second, but if this is your first visit, you should know The Great Unfamous is not a podcast about unfamous people. In fact, many are well-known or even famous in their areas of expertise. But this show is about talking to exceptional people who took the time to leave their mark on others and discovering the often unfamous people who left a mark on them. That's it. Lessons from Remarkable Givers and the Person Who Helped Pave the Way for Them. Now, this man's story was featured in the book Don't Keep Your Day Job by Kathy Heller. It's a great book. I highly recommend it. And and when I read it, what really hit hard for me was that it talked about an annoying voice in Greg's head that just wouldn't go away. It pestered. It persisted. It repeated the same thing over and over again until he gave in. And it said, you're going to make cheesecakes. So Greg Franklin did just that. They were ugly at first. Nobody wanted them. In fact, he had to give them away. But the voice didn't stop. And cake by cake, they got better. Oreo cheesecake, fruity pebble cheesecake, orange creamsicle cheesecake, dill pickle cheesecake, even Philly cheesesteak cheesecake. His story of how he turned the corner and became known as the Cheesecake Ninja is one that'll leave your mouth watering and cheering for more. So let's meet Greg and find out how he did it and who helped pave the way for a career that some describe as part Santa Claus and part Keebler elf. Greg, thank you very much for joining me. It's a real pleasure to have you on the podcast. Glad to be here. So look, I'd like to jump into the middle of your story, which is so inspiring that when I think about it, I mean, I literally picture you getting a standing ovation on Shark Tank 
But the part of your story that I find most inspiring is not really the successes, but the failures. Can you share what it was like to walk into business after business who told you, no, I'm not buying cheesecake out of your strange blue cooler. Uh, sir, this is a bank. You have to leave. What was that like and how did you keep going? It was really kind of awkward. And normally I would have been bothered by it. And then after like the first time of being told no, just given up and went home and decided that was a stupid idea. But uh, for some reason, I went into one place and they told me no. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'll just go to the next place. So then I went to the next place and that person told me no. And then she's like, oh, well. And I went on to the next place. And finally, five or six no's in, somebody was like, sure, I like cheesecake. I'll try it. And then they tried it while I was talking to them. I was stumbling through my whole spiel that I had never done before. And in the process of it, they're like, this is good. Can you come back next week? I, I won't come back next week, but I can come back in the future. And then after that, there was a couple more yeses. Then, of course, some more no's. So 90% of my stops that I made, I think I only made like 15 stops that day and, and probably 11 of them were no, and then the rest were yes. And the no's really didn't bother me for whatever reason that day. I was just like, oh, well, I'll just go on to the next one. Is that normal for you? No. Norm normally, if uh, I'm told no, I'm just like, okay, it was meant to be. I'm just going to move on to something else or get offended and be mad inside and just give up. As I, as I said earlier, the voice in your head that refused to stop talking, that it literally stopped me in my tracks. I was listening to the audio book and I listen to books while I walk my dog, while I'm in the shower. And I heard your story and I messaged you immediately. Can you talk about how you started making cheesecakes and especially that voice in your head and why you listened to it? Well, at first I didn't listen to it. I just ignored it. We used to do concert promoting for Christian artists and it was never really a money-making thing. It was more of a fun thing to do. And then we kind of got to the point where we didn't want to do that anymore. So I didn't have any hobby. And one day I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw a cheesecake, never baked anything in my life, almost failed home economics. But for whatever reason, I decided to make cheesecake that day. I had the wrong pan, got all the ingredients together. It ended up being expensive because we didn't have any other stuff in the house. So. It was like the most expensive cheesecake ever. Whenever my wife got home, I was cleaning up the kitchen. It took me like two hours to clean up the kitchen because I don't bake and I'm messy. She asked me what I was doing. I'm like, I was bored, so I made a cheesecake. It was overbaked in the wrong pan, hard to get out, but it tasted good. And after that, I'm like, well, that was fun. I don't ever want to do that again. And then <laughs> I just forgot about it for a couple of weeks. And then a cheesecake showed up again in my Facebook feed, and I decided to make it, and I made pretty much exactly the way that one looked on the internet. It was a cookies and cream, and uh, I took one piece out of it, and then I just gave it to friends of mine and said, here, I made a cheesecake. I was bored. Take some of it. And then again, I just kind of forgot about it. I'm like, that was fun. I don't ever want to do it again. Same thing happened a couple weeks later. Then after that, I'm like, I'm not making anymore. I don't really want to do this. And then stuff kept on popping up, cheesecake related. Then I was hearing the little voice saying that I needed to do that. 
to make it. And I'm like, that makes no sense. I don't want to do it at all. It doesn't sound fun. It was fun for the first couple of times. I don't want to make any more. And then I just kind of ignored it. And then more stuff started showing up. And I had a little voice in my head said that I needed to do it. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know why there's a voice in my head saying this. <laughs> so it was like two or three months that stuff like that kept on popping up. And then finally one day I'm like, fine, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to make another one. Don't know why I'm doing this, but I made a couple banana pudding cheesecakes and uh, put them on Facebook and said, I made these cheesecakes, $30 or whatever it was. It was like three or four days. None of my friends on Facebook were interested in buying it. I didn't even get any reactions to it. So then I just decided to donate them to the police and fire department. I took them there and uh, it was like two days later, somebody, it was a detective from the police department sent me a message. I didn't even have a page at the time and asked if I could make cheesecake for her fiance's 30th birthday party. I'm like, sure. I've never done that before. She wanted some mini ones that were smaller than the cupcake size that I do now. So I ended up making like eight dozen of them, I think. And this was, I think it was in February that she asked me about this. And then it was July that I made the cheesecake. So I had all this time to plan it and figure out how to make the cupcake size ones and the, the mini ones. And I ended up with a whole bunch of extra. So after I delivered the mini ones to her, I went on Facebook and said that I had all these cupcake size cheesecakes for sale if anybody was interested. And like two hours, I sold eight dozen mini cheesecakes, the cupcake size. I thought that was kind of weird, but I decided to do it again the next week. The next week, I said, I have these eight dozen cheesecakes that are for sale. Anybody's interest, let me know. It was crickets. Didn't hear a word from anybody. Nobody wanted them. And then I decided randomly, which was totally out of character for me, to go to some businesses door to door and see if anybody was interested in them. And like I said at the beginning, I've, I made like 10, 15 stops. I struggled through getting rid of the three or four dozen that I had, but I ended up getting rid of most of them. And then I decided to go ahead and do it again the next week. That voice inside was telling me to do that. And then it just kind of started growing very, 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 very slowly. So I started out having like 10 regular customers and on the delivery route. Now I think I have 300 regular customers. Oh here's, here's one of the questions I wanted to ask you, which is, I know I kind of fixate on this voice, but when you're having that internal conversation, I think that's a really important thing that people have. Because that voice in your head can be really supportive. It could be really destructive. It could be distracting. When you started hearing that voice saying like, no, 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 you need, you need to make cheesecakes. As you continue to do it, is the voice saying different things? Are you talking back to it? And is it, is it your voice or is it somebody else's voice? Um, because the voice isn't actually a voice. It's, it's just, I, I don't hear a sound. It was just there. And then Sometimes I would talk out loud. Sometimes I would just talk to myself. So sometimes there was a conversation that was basically in my head. So if I was telling a therapist that, it would sound really crazy. But <laughs> um, yeah, there was I, I heard no actual voice, but there was talking and things telling me that that is what I should be doing. Did it say like, see, I told you. 
No, it, it, it was just kind of quiet. And, and then I was talking basically to myself. I'm like, I thanks. I know why you were pestering me now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you know, you described a little bit about how you got into making cheesecakes and how those photos on Facebook follow you around a bit. Talk to me a little bit about before you became the Cheesecake Ninja. You you tried your hand at a lot of different jobs. You mentioned the promotion for yep. Christian concerts, but you worked in a warehouse. You did lawn fertilizing, photography. Yep. Can you tell the story about your progression through different jobs and how that last one ended in being fired and what, what that was like? Yeah. So the the several jobs, that the real jobs that I had, were never anything that I really wanted to do. I enjoyed being outside, so lawn fertilizing wasn't bad, but I never really was around people. The majority of the jobs that I had, I was always by myself. Whenever I started working at the factory, it was different because I was working with people, and I'm not really a people person, so even working with people, I kept to myself, which was very difficult. But um, through those jobs, I was kind of still dealing with people and learning customer service and how to talk to people and how to deal with people that were difficult because in those jobs, there was always difficult people. Uh, I wouldn't do their lawns right or somebody wouldn't do their lawns right. So I have to deal with difficult people like that at the factory. Everybody was difficult because it's a factory. Nobody wanted to be there. Worked in hot warehouses. So I was constantly pulling orders and the orders had to be correct and I had to learn how to to the customers on time. And then photography was a hobby of mine to keep my mind off of the full-time jobs. Um, as soon as I would leave whatever full-time job I was at, I tried to pretend that it didn't exist. So I would just take pictures of tons and tons and tons of stuff and work on improving the photography. And again, I'm not a big fan of hanging out with people, so I would take pictures of stuff instead of people. That's what would make me a little bit of money, but I would take pictures of like signposts, clouds, trees, flowers, old rusty trucks, pets, all kinds of stuff like that. So I was just learning how to fine-tune my photography. With the concert promoting, again, I was working with people, learning how to deal with people and do things that needed to be done with that. And even after I quit doing the concert promoting, I still did it a little bit while I was making the cheesecake. So if I was doing a concert, I would bring the cheesecake with me and then the artist would have it. So um, I don't know if you listen to Christian music or not, but artists like for King and Country have had my cheesecake. Um, Jason Gray, who is a Christian artist, became a friend of ours. He's had our cheesecake. There's Tons. Most of the people that you've heard on the radio have had my cheesecake just because I was working at the concert that they were attending. And so I was fine tuning them cheesecakes at that point also. And uh, then some of them have become regular customers. So basically, all the jobs that I had were learning how to deal with people, customer service situations, fine tuning the skills that I use, making the cheesecakes. And well, it, it's funny you mentioned that. One of the things that I still take with me today is a difficult customer service job. When uh, I moved to California and, and the job was renting cars, and it wasn't just renting any cars, it was renting insurance replacement. So you were always dealing with people who were upset, angry, frustrated, 
that they're just been in a car accident. Now they're trying to get a replacement rental. And I'm telling them that like, like your, your insurance only covers 1995 a day and you, I can put you in this tiny little Corolla. That was a really good experience for me because I learned how to put myself in someone else's shoes. They had a training class there. And then one of the things they taught you was you have to be able to put yourself in the customer's shoes and that feeling of empathy, even though you can't give them what they want, which is a $50 rental for $29. What you can do is relate. I understand what you're going through. I understand you're frustrated. I understand. And that's really what people want more than anything else is to be heard. And I understand what you're going through. Even though you can't give me what I want, the fact that you understand what I'm going through and you can empathize with me is, is everything. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that until I had that job. So I wonder like, if you going through those different roles helps prepare you for where you are going to need to do customer service. It's going to be a big part of what you do. We've been very lucky that I have only ever had two bad reviews and dealing with customers in the past from the other jobs, I learned how to reply to the frustrated customer. I was thinking to myself, you're stupid. My stuff is good. I don't know what you're talking about, but we gave a much more professional reply to it. And uh, the people that were giving the bad reviews were basically just upset that it wasn't what they expected. So we offered them free stuff. Never heard back from either one of them. And it, it doesn't even bother me that I didn't hear back from them. The reply to their bad review is out in the internet. So anybody that sees a bad review is going to see how I reply to that and see how professional it is. And then they're going to judge whether they want to be our customer or not. Um, if I was going to reply like, you're dumb, your review stupid, I'm not going to have any customers from that review. They're going to be like, I don't want to buy anything from you. But with the professional reply that we gave, we'll have customers from it. And that was two or three years ago, and I've never had a bad review since. That's what anybody wants to hear, to understand that you understand what I'm saying, yep. even if you can't solve my problem. Exactly. Greg, let me check this timeline because based on my notes, I show that you started baking cheesecakes around 2013 and you opened your store around 2018. Does that yep. sound about right? Okay. So in Kathy Heller's book, part of it was that journey. I'd like to hear more about like how you participated in her you, you were in her Facebook groups and who helped move you along. But can you talk about that five years from when you, you started making cheesecakes and then five years later, you opened your store? What were the baby steps that you took over those five years to get you from just starting to bake to opening a store? For probably the first five years, actually, it was probably five or six years. So the first three years... I was making the cheesecakes and I was going through various recipes, figuring out what from those recipes I liked and then um, adding that to a recipe that I did like. So, for instance, all cheesecake has cream cheese in it, obviously. Um, I had to fine tune the amount that I wanted in it. And then this recipe would have sour cream in it. And this one would have sour cream and heavy cream in it. And, and this one would have something else in it. So I would take the amounts of those ingredients and kind of adjust them to the what I liked. And then it was about three years after doing that that I finally found the exact combination of the recipe that I liked. And that was the time that I started 
giving free samples out more to friends and family. And then that's whenever the person ordered the stuff for her fiance's birthday party. And then I started selling after that. So it took about three years to fine tune the recipe to get to the point where I was confident enough to sell it. Can I interrupt for a second? So you you started making cheese. You actually were making cheesecakes for two years, almost three years before you even started to give them away and have people try them? I, I mean, I would give a piece to a family member here and there and say, here, try this. Um, but yeah, I never, I didn't sell one single cheesecake for probably almost three years. Wow. I was basically eating them, giving them away, throwing it away. Because um, I wasn't confident. Okay, so I'm enough. sorry. Please continue. That that's stunning. That it took you, that you spent three years just learning how to make cheesecake. Yeah. So basically, I was wasting three years not making money just so I could fine tune the recipe that I may or may not ever do anything with. Um, and normally, habits I never or hobbies I never stuck with that long. So that was that voice guiding me along to do that. Usually, a hobby lasts for maybe a year, maybe two years at most. But yeah, I kept on doing that. So after I started selling the cheesecakes, um, I was doing it door to door for three, four years. In addition to the full-time job that I had at the factory, the way the factory worked, I would work on like a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. I would come home after not sleeping all night and then I would bake cheesecake. And then that Tuesday, I would go door to door selling the cheesecake Wednesday and Thursday, I would go to work. And then Friday, I would be off again. So I would make cheesecake. Either one or two days a week, I would make cheesecake and or sell cheesecake. And just kept doing it just to keep my mind off of the job that I didn't like. And then I kind of forgot where I was going with this. Let's let's hit on your last day at the factory. The last day at the factory. So a few days before the last day, I was working a night and I had been on lunch break. While I was on lunch break, somebody else was operating the machine that I was using. And something happened where a bunch of bad product was made. And it ended up being my fault since I was in charge of the machine, even though I was on lunch and I, and I wasn't anywhere near it, which it was completely fine. Didn't bother me because I didn't really care about the job. Um, I did the job. I did it well. And then I would just go home. For about the year prior to whenever I got fired, I would bring in cheesecakes that weren't quite perfect and give them to people that I worked with. But somebody almost every day would tell me that I need to quit working at the factory and that I need to sell cheesecake full time. I'm just right. like, that's, that's never going to happen. Um, I don't want to have to run my own business. I'm just going to do this for the rest of my life and not like it and then do the stuff that I like on the side as a hobby. So it was a Friday that um, I had gotten reprimanded for the machine messing up. Went home. Went, it was for the whole weekend. Came back on Monday. Worked for like half the day. Got called into the office. The Monday was National Cheesecake Day. And uh, whenever I got called into the office, they told me that they were letting me go. And normally that would bother me. Didn't really bother me at all. Uh, I was kind of annoyed that it was National Cheesecake Day and I could not participate in it because I was scheduled to work that day. <laughs> Went home. As my boss was walking me out, he liked me. So he was apologizing that they had to let me go. And I'm like, really? It's fine. I don't care. I didn't like the job anyways. I'm just going to go home and we're going to figure out what to do. 
came home early and my wife was home that day. Normally, if I was getting fired, she would have been upset, obviously. She wasn't really upset. And we both just kind of agreed that the next day I needed to make some cheesecake and go sell it door to door and make up for the amount of money that I wasn't going to make that week because I got fired. So that's what I did. And then I I made considerably more than I would have that week at the factory job. And then we just decided that I was going to do the door to door thing and look for a job casually at the time and, and just see what happened and kind of went from there. Do you ever think about what might've happened if you hadn't been let go? Yeah, I would have been at a job that I didn't like, but I would have done it and then just been miserable. How long do you think you would have done it before you quit? Probably until I retired because it was safe and insurance was a steady paycheck. wasn't a great job, but it paid well. So I would have just done it and been miserable. Well, it's one of those things you think about. People have jobs because they take care of their family. Yep. And when you consider the prospect of not being able to take care of your family, that's, that's a big risk. And that's pretty terrifying, regardless of what you want to do. I can totally understand that. I don't care what I have to do. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to take care of my family. And if it means I'm in a job I hate for 30 years, fine. I'll 20 good years after that. Yep. So the difference between Greg Franklin before that day and Greg Franklin after that day, how do you compare those two people? I'm less tired. I, we, I tend to work a lot more and sometimes it's very weird hours and weekends, but I'm less tired. I'm less cranky. I still get cranky. There's been a couple instances where I've been a little bit cranky. If no customer is coming into the store that day, I get a little bit cranky. But for the most part, I'm easier to get along with uh, and not tired. I have a puppy now, so I'm going to be awake during the night a little bit more. So I'll be a little bit tired. But <laughs> Would you say you're happier? Yeah. I'm my own boss. I'm doing something that I like. For a while, my wife did the job with me too. She now has a job that she didn't ask for, but was would it would have been dumb to turn down. And she does what she likes. And then with the food truck, she still does that part of it. Yeah. And I would have trouble going back to having a boss. So the business, the business does okay. Yeah, between the store and the, the, actually, the food truck has done considerably more business than our store this year. It's our first full season. It's a 1995 U-Haul that we converted into a food truck. So the first year that we had it. Uh, there were some mechanical issues that took it out for a few months and we had to work out of tent. So we were very limited of what we could do. So between the store and the food truck and a little bit of shipping that we do, we do pretty well. In researching your background, you often talk about yourself in terms of things you're not good at. Yep. You say, I don't really like people except your customers love you. You say, I don't really like baking, except you have a successful bakery. You say, I don't like attention, but you're a little bit famous. Why do you think you talk about yourself in terms of the things you're not good at when you're good at a lot of things? I don't really know. Never really thought about that. Um, well, I don't have a good answer for that. I, d I do 
and like certain people and I like certain groups of people, but for the most part, I don't like dealing with people. And um, several of my customers that are on my delivery route, I joke with because I've known for a long time and I actually do like them. Uh, I always joke and say that I only like you because you give me money. (laughs) They find it humorous. I find it humorous. They know I'm joking. They know I like them. And actually I have more customers that are not family than family, obviously. So non-family is more supportive than family members are. And, And a lot of small businesses find that out as they're doing stuff. So even though I joke that I don't like people, I do like most people. I think it's just interesting to note that you have these strengths and maybe you just positioning yourself as not good at them gives you the courage to do them. It takes some of the don't like attention. So that that's part of why I point out all the stuff that I'm not good at, even though what I do I'm good at. All right. So you do admit that you're good at it. Yeah. Several years ago, most states have this website called what's uh what's going on in your state. So the the website for our state is like in the state of Missouri or what's going on in Missouri. They did a top 10 list of cheesecake places in Missouri. This was way before we ever had the store, and I had barely had the delivery route. We ended up number two on this list out of 10. So I took that as we're now the number two cheesecake place in Missouri. People had never been in the store. They just found pictures on the internet. So now I just claim to be the number two cheesecake place in Missouri. The number one spot. We've actually become friends with her in Kansas City, which is on completely the other side of the state. It's about the same size of a place as we have, and and we just kind of compare and and joke uh, about similar things. The number five cheesecake place is in the town next to us, and they've been around for a long, long time. So I always claim that we ended up being higher on the list than them, and something that we try to be proud of, even though we're officially not number two. It's unofficially number two. (laughs) Well, look, um, Greg, one of the things I like to do with my guests is uh, do like a rapid fire what you learned. And so I'll give you five things and you just tell me just one thing that you learned from it. Oreos versus cookies and cream. People get really offended if you say it's Oreo and you don't use Oreo, <laughs> that gives you one of the two bad reviews that you've ever gotten. All right. A smudged display case window. Does not bother me as much as it bothers my wife. Firehouses and police stations. Uh, they are the reason that I have a business today. Disney and Rue. They fight like brothers and sisters. And they're both sisters, so it's weird. <laughs> and, and those are your dogs yep. for, the, for the listeners. Uh, last one, a new lawnmower. Electric was a bad choice. And this is the reason that I started the whole business was so I could buy a lawnmower. And I bought the wrong one. So what, you, you bought an electric mower? Yeah. You don't like it? Nope. It lasts for about 25 minutes, which is my front yard. So then I have to charge it for four hours so I can mow the rest. But I'm saving the environment because I'm not using gas. (laughs) So you started back in 2013, make enough cheesecakes to buy a lawnmower, and then you finally bought that one, what, last year? 
Yep. Two years ago. And and actually, after I bought the lawnmower, I sent Kathy Heller a message. I'm like, I finally bought that lawnmower. Well, do you mind talking about that too? Because when you talk about the five years, right, between when you started making cheesecakes and then you actually opened your store, how did uh, Kathy's book and podcast play into that? Was that was that a tool? It, it was. Uh, it was actually sort of what pushed me to increase the delivery that I did and then eventually opening the store. So I had... I just stumbled onto her podcast one day and, and was listening to it. And then I joined the group and then I would occasionally post stuff in the group about the successes that I had or the failures that I had. Um, and oddly, people started being interested in that were following along and then they would follow my Facebook page and they were genuinely interested in how the business was going and they were learning from the, the failures and the successes. Yeah. And I wasn't really paying attention at the time, but Kathy was more and more interested in the story and she was genuinely excited about the posts that I made. As I was making these posts, she would start mentioning me on the podcast. I was thinking to myself, I'm on this podcast. She's mentioning me on the podcast. I'm famous. A year or so into the podcast, she had mentioned something about talking to small business owners that started a side hustle and then turned into a full-time job. And at the time, I had not turned it into the full-time job yet, but I had mentioned that, hey, I don't really do well with podcasts and stuff. I don't do public talking, but I'll be on your podcast if you want. And she's like, I'm so excited. I've been waiting for you to ask to be on the podcast. Then we recorded the podcast. It ended up being the week after I opened the bakery. So I guess it was in between the time that I got fired and we opened the bakery that she had mentioned about being on the podcast. So I was transitioning to the full time. We recorded the podcast. I was in the store bathroom and it was very echoey in there. So I was like on the floor under a blanket. So it was like a soundproof room and, and doing it. And I'm glad that I wouldn't do it on video that time. But it ended up being her favorite podcast that she had ever done. And it was favorite for a few years. And then she had did some conferences and stuff like that. And she would do whole sections of the conference just specifically on my story. Then she decided to write the book and then did a condensed version of my story in the book too. So even though I wasn't the CEO of Starbucks or Rob Lowe or Matthew McConaughey or the, the incredible uh, edible arrangements guy. He was on it before me, uh, listening to his story and then their stories encouraged me to increase what I was doing and grow. Saul Blinkoff, who was a Disney animator, several years ago and switched kind of jobs. And now he has a, a podcast too. His was another episode that kind of encouraged me to increase what I was doing and grow. And, and so there was a lot of encouraging episodes that were on there and she was encouraging. And, and in the midst of me posting my failures and successes, apparently I was encouraging people to quit their jobs also. Yeah, I find that the failures or the examples that people don't talk about, and they're actually yep. the most valuable part. They're the, the doorways you have to walk through to be successful, but almost no one wants to talk about them. 
they want to talk about the final destination when that's actually the boring part. <laughs> Most of the businesses that I follow and I visit, like Walmart, things like that, they just didn't start overnight. They had tons and tons of failures before mm-hmm. they were hit. Well, your, your story, I can see why Kathy called you out in her speaking engagements and in her book, because it, it, it really does hit home. Uh, your story was, was very impactful for me. So, so let's talk about that for a second. Greg, with everything we've talked about, my next question is really going to be about lessons learned. People you've learned from, I know listening to your stories, I've already learned a ton from you. But when you look back, your story includes incredible work ethic, resourcefulness, relentlessness. When you look back at what you achieved, who stands out as someone who was critical in your development? And if you could name someone who's related to you and someone who's not, I would love to hear about both of those. There's a lot of people. Going back to the original podcast that I was on with Kathy Heller, the one person that stands out was Saul Blinkoff. He was a uh, animator for Disney, and whenever he was in college, he decided that he wanted to be an animator for Disney, and he did everything possible to get to the point where he could do that, and basically didn't take no for an answer. He even went to work at Disney World, and he met his wife at Disney World, and then uh, it just kind of went from there, and then he went on to make uh, TV shows for Netflix and Amazon Prime. So listening to his podcast was uh, pretty motivating, and I learned a lot from that and his positivity, uh, just his work ethic and things like that. As far as people that I actually know, relatives, wife has allowed me to do what we do. And then for a short time, she had joined us. She had quit a job and then was doing the cheesecake ninja full time. And then she accepted a job that she didn't ask for, but it was the right time for her. And she decided to go ahead and take that job. So just her allowing me to do what I do so I don't have to get a real job. She would be the other person. What did you learn from your wife? What did I learn from her? That she is more trusting. That's a tough one. She believes in the product. That's a tough question to answer. Learn that she's patient. Patience is an important one. Certainly you, I was telling your story the other day and said, you know, this guy worked on cheesecakes. He worked on his recipe for three years before he ever even gave a cheesecake away. How many people would work on their hobby for three years just to perfect it? And it's a hobby I didn't really even want. So that patience piece, I could see that being an important yep. part that you learned from your wife. What about Saul? Anything in particular you learned from, from Saul's story? Um, just to be, again, with the patience and persistence. And if you work hard and long enough, then your dream can become a reality. And then just positivity. You should always be positive, even whenever you're having a bad day. How do you do that? How do you how do you find positivity? It's tough um, sometimes. Yeah. Um, sometimes whenever I'm, ha- whenever I'm having a rough day, I get a positive review, and that always helps. Uh, and it just keeps me going for the rest of the day. And then somebody will come in and say how much they like our stuff, or they told their grandma, things like that. People have positive things to say about our stuff, so it keeps my positivity up. 
Yeah, that community is key. Yeah. And trying to surround yourself with people who are supportive. Yeah. The more people that like our stuff, they are more likely to tell other people. And then we get new customers who've heard nothing but good things about our stuff. And then we just, it's an endless loop. When you do great work over a long period of time, it tends to spread. People notice. Yep. But most people, most people can't put it together for that long of a time consistently to earn that. Yep. They look at what we've done and they think it's really easy. A hundred percent. People look at that. It's like, oh, I should open a cheesecake shop too. I'm going to do that next month. Hey, it's look. not. It's not that easy. Um, let me wind things down here and and ask a question relative to you know, helping other people. There are, there are so many great lessons in your success story. If someone's listening today and they are working at a job that takes care of their family, but they feel a calling to do something different, but are terrified of trying and failing and letting that family down, what, what's something that they could do that would make you proud of them? Um, if you have something that you like to do hobby-wise, just... Keep on working on it. Don't quit your job right away. You have to perfect what you're doing. Sometimes it takes a couple years. Sometimes it takes five or 10 years. But um, just keep on working on your hobby until it is perfected to the way that you like it. And whenever you feel comfortable enough to leave your current situation and do your hobby, then it's probably time. Um, most likely, you're going to be scared to death. You won't ever want to quit full-time job because it's safe, but you'll know when it's time. How do you know when it's time? How do you know when you're ready? Pure luck. It just shows up. But you say you'll know it when you know it? Yep. And even whenever you know it, you may not think you know it, but you know it. Well, there you have it. The words of of Greg Franklin, a true entrepreneur in all the greatest uh, sense of the term. Greg, thank you very much for spending time with us today. I know for a fact your story is incredibly inspiring to me, and I know it's going to be of great value to our listeners as well. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. And as much as uh, it's awkward to me, it is inspiring. And it will always be awkward to me, but it will always be inspiring. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, then I... Twice as much appreciation for fighting through your inclination to to hide from the spotlight. It's rare that I talk on the <laughs> podcast and stuff, so it's your lucky day. <laughs> it is. It is our lucky day. Greg, before we go, how do people get in touch with you? How do they find your stuff? How do they order your food? How do they steal your recipes? The easiest way to order my stuff and not steal my recipes is <laughs> um, finding me on Facebook or Instagram. It's the Cheesecake Ninja. Or you can go to the cheesecakeninja.com and there's a link to our online store where you can order gooey butter cakes and things like that. I don't ship the cheesecake, but I do ship the delicious gooey butter cakes. And let me be a testimonial here for the ooey gooey butter cake, which we ordered and absolutely devoured and loved. It was it was incredible. My entire family went through that in a day. It was it was an incredible, incredible cake. Um we're gonna order some more for the holidays. But uh, do yourself a favor, please. Check out his website. Check out his store. If you enjoy sweet treats, cakes, cheesecakes. Sugar and butter. Sugar and butter. Uh, that is the place to be. It is worth It is worth the overnight express or the visit. If you're. And what town are you in, Greg? 
Perryville, Missouri, or just south of St. Louis. If we are in the St. Louis area, we're definitely going to pay you a visit. It's always a good idea. Well, for everybody listening, remember Greg's lessons. Be patient, be relentless, and trust your gut. Greg did, and, and look what happened to him. So you can do it too. Greg, thank you very much for your time, and, uh, and good luck in the cheesecake world. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Before you go, I would ask you to please do one thing. Please consider this simple question. Who is the most influential person in your life? Would you have that answer? I would love to tell your story. You can nominate Your Great Unfamous on Twitter or Instagram at GR8Unfamous. If you want to do it privately, there's a link for that as well. But if you do none of that, at least let this person know what they mean to you. It could mean the world to them. Until the next episode, take care and be kind.